It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. Welcome to Paris. Uh, post-game, Connacht beaten, 37 points to 31. We're in the media room in the Stade Jean Bouin, uh, home of Stade Francais. We look out of this media room through the concrete facade with the incredibly artistic design that surrounds this beautiful stadium. And I look at Roland Garris. The far side is Parc de Prance, where Paris Saint-Germain will play a little bit later. Uh, Otoy, is that right? The horse racing steeplechase track is is the big stand they see beyond me. It's it's sensational for a city this huge and this beautiful to have so many sporting uh, locations in one spot. And we can see the Eiffel Tower and all its glory on the right hand side. It's all here. It's up in the evenings in blue with the Euro, with the European Union flag on it while they they hold the presidency. The downtown financial section of Paris is what's what we see beyond that. The high rise buildings, which is just in its own little section of Paris. But as we know, we've we've enjoyed our weekend. A big conic support over William, I'd say, guts of about a hundred. Friend of the podcast, Kieran McNamara, when he lives around the corner here, he he introduced us uh, to. Uh, uh, the game a little bit before the game we called over to him and we came down to the stadium um, Alan Deegan welcome along Hi Rob It's good to talk to you because because of the setup today and we were just a bit scampering around we didn't get a chance to do a bit on Go, on Go FM which is a good self so I'm I'm mad keen to see what you feel how do you feel after Connacht lose a nine point lead and get two bonus points may want to be may well be one of the first teams well certainly for quite some time to go two games in a row getting four tries and not winning Probably, probably, but you know the one thing I'm glad to see. You know, no matter how modern rugby becomes, and no matter how open and wonderful and fantastically skillful and brilliant and offloading and all the rule changes that they make or law changes that they make, you still need a scrum to win a rugby match. And Connacht didn't, unfortunately, have a scrum today. You, they went into that game with four props who started two games between them, including Jordan Duggan. Has only started two games. Really? Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at a situation where that, that's almost impossible. And like he was struggling, he was really struggling at the end. And they knew that. They 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 knew that all the way through. That last scrum, though. I mean, I think that was harsh against him. Now, don't get me wrong. You don't get that penalty off most referees when you've given away four or five. But like, I just felt uh, the the tight end went straight to ground and went against him. Uh, the assistant referee called. It said it was a hinge. So yeah, it was hard. It was hard to. It was a hard one to call. But the way the scrums have been going all day, you you couldn't deny the fact that you know that that's that's going to go against you when you don't have a scrum. Connacht led at half time, seventeen points to ten in a spectacular turnaround. When Latu, uh, the first of his two spectacular transgressions, a ridiculous attack at the breakdown. Attack is the word I'm going to use. Where he went for a player and not in the clean way. Possibly lucky not to get a straight red for that. But anyways, a yellow is probably just about the right call. Then he comes back on the pitch after half time, and uh, you know. Foul and abusive language is what they call it in, f- in football. Uh, straight yellow card. Wayne Burns and even hesitates. So down to 14 men for 32 minutes. You thought they're done, but Connacht made that a 22 minute disadvantage when Connor Oliver got this in been laid on. Uh, Connacht 17.10 lead. Did go up as much as a nine point lead at one point. I'm going to try and see if I can guess what that score was at that point. I think it was 31 points to 22, something like that. They led by nine, anyways. And then Stad just turned it around and uh, won the game in the end. Let's get some post game. Clipboard for William. He needs his. He needs his details. We think we led by eleven points at one stage. 
We led by 11 points at one stage. Well, look, we'll leave all that in the podcast because, you know, we're tired. These things happen. Hey, here's some post-game interviews. Pete Wilkins, because Andy Friend didn't travel, uh, all the different disruptions that you can have in these nowadays, uh, close contact situations. So he isn't here. Wilk- Pete Wilkins was, and obviously a good talker. Jack Cardi came into the press conference as well. We got to talk to both of them. Have a listen. So in terms of that happening back to back, that adds to the disappointment. At the same time, I think there is a different context to it in that last week, you know, we were our own um, worst critics in terms of shutting up shop and, and giving up possession and, and trying to squeeze Leicester at that end of the field. Today we kept playing and uh, that was something we talked about on reflection um, from the previous week and it was important that we did that. It was important that we kept trying to fire shots and um, you know in the end it was that bit of accuracy that led us down then obviously a penalty count that, that gave Stad the platform to get down the field and back into the game. So um, similarities to last week but at the same time um, a little bit of a different context in terms of how that played out. Scrum seemed to be key, four or five key props obviously missing. How do you feel, How significant was it from your perspective? Um, it was certainly significant, but we, we knew that coming into the game. You know, We lost three of our four props um, from that Leicester game and we lost another two during this week and that would put a strain on anyone's resources. So you know, in terms of the lads that stepped up, it was a, a terrific challenge for them, but also a great opportunity and, and that was the way we approached it this week. We knew that regardless of our personnel that, that Stad would look to come harder that area and that, that we would have to front up there and we knew that at some point they would get some sort of traction as well so you know it wasn't something that surprised us but it was about us then doing enough good stuff in between those set piece moments to make sure that we were still able to impose our game on them and, and also stop the threats that they had in general play so um, it was a challenge we were really aware of coming in but, but obviously it still played its part in terms of giving them access to the game through those penalties and then obviously kicks to touch and, and, and then you're defending malls and the plays that come on the back of it. So, um, you know, it's certainly a, a factor in the game, but but, but something we were, were prepared for and, and, as I said, expecting. Small bit of backseat coaching here, but in the commentary we were wondering, was it worth risking bringing on the likes of Elo a little bit earlier? You're not scrum penalty in the 22. Do you regret that afterwards? Because so much was going against him at that point, maybe if you brought him on that little bit earlier. Uh, I think it's, it's a challenge. We'll always review those those substitutions and the timings of them and, and the nature of them. I think, you know, for us at the time, we felt um, we we felt in in Geordie and Greg that they had a feel for the game at that point and an understanding of what what Wayne Barnes was looking for around that set piece. So it was important for us to to keep listening to Wayne and and make sure that we were um, you know giving as clear pictures as we possibly could in that. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, does putting a different person in there change the picture and, and maybe um, give you a bit of a clean slate perhaps but at, but at the same time I think for us it was about um, trying to sustain the good pictures that we were trying to paint at the set piece and, and then hope that if we got enough out of that then on the back of that we could play so you know we'll certainly look at those substitutions but as I said for those, those two boys for, for Geordie and Greg to start as they did with the preparation that they had just tremendous credit to them and, and I thought they showed an enormous amount of commitment and bravery to, to front up and play the minutes they did Not too many teams in this competition are going to score four tries two weeks in a row, get two losing bonus points two weeks in a row. It's highly unusual. There were some spectacular moments in that game again, some absolutely brilliant rugby from Connacht. Like, does the defeat take away an awful lot of that? Um, I don't think the defeat takes away from it. I, I think it gives you um, it, it gives you pointers within the performance that um, encourages you that you're on the right track in terms of how we're trying to play and how we're trying to coach around that. 
Um, and I think also it, it gives the lads confidence that um, that they have the ability to compete with anyone and to cause anyone problems once, uh, you know, when we do have ball in hand. So I, I think it's encouraging in that sense. It, it doesn't um, it doesn't make the defeat any less painful, um, but um, but at, at the same time it shows we're, we're very much on the right track with with how we're trying to play the game. Huge game against Glasgow next week. Oh, it's massive. It's massive. And, and there's been so much focus for us and energy put into this weekend. You know, we need to process this result and, and the nature of that first. But, um, you know, in the background there, the coaches have got their preparation done for Glasgow. And, um, you know, there's an enormous amount to look forward to and an enormous amount to play for within that. OK, I'm just going to move over to Jack. Jack, just a couple of questions before we let everyone else in. But, um, that's look, the body language of the players there says it all. You've you got to be gutted with, with the last couple of weeks because you've put a lot of hard work into those games and you've, you've, you haven't got the wins you wanted. Um, yeah, I think so. Look, um, if you, as you said there, those elements of our attacking play which were which were phenomenal. Um, as Pete alluded to, the manner of the defeat was probably a lot different to, to last week. Um, we continued to, to play rather than shut up shop. So um, there's a small bit of growth in that, I think. <clears throat> Unforced, unforced turnovers that you would have saw. They'll think something that we'll look, we'll look back on. But um, you know, we obviously lost quite a lot of players during the week, and I think the fact that um, the fellows who came in um, definitely stood up and fronted up. So um, we can take the positives, I suppose, from from that aspect. But it doesn't take away from the the disappointment of the last two weeks. Yeah, Jack. There's always in sport, and we do tend to find the easy narrative. And the easy narrative here is Connacht have let big lead slip twice. Is that becoming a trend? All those kind of questions. How would you push back against that? Uh, no, I don't. I, I wouldn't see that. As I said, it's the manner of the defeat was um, two completely different things. I think if it was the same thing this week, where we looked to maybe if we continue kicking the ball like we did last week, that would have shown that. We may have not learned the lessons from from last week, and um, we spoke about that on the pitch to continue playing, which Pete said was is what we did. So I think the yeah you can read into it and say, look, we've lost um, big leads in two weeks in a row. We'll we'll look back at that in terms of our decision making when we we're on the ball, but um, the manner has probably been a bit different. Great achievement to get to the knockout stages, but the balance is it's only one win from four. I'm sure there's, you think there's a lot more in, in this Connacht team from a Champions Cup perspective. Yeah, and that's what we spoke about. Look, uh, if you look back across the three games, um, you potentially could have won all three of them. Um, definitely the last two weeks, Leicester away. Um, and we'd be right up there. I think what us as a group would, we need to do is we need to learn from that. Um, and especially with the the next stages of this being two legs, um, obviously every point in, in the game is going to be massive. So um, it'll, that'll be important for us. Look, let's uh, if everything goes to plan and it's most likely going to be Leinster. Like keeping in mind, maybe something crazy is going to happen after we talk. But if it is Leinster, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's exactly what you want. You want to be playing against the the best teams. Um, if you want to progress, you're going to find them some way or play them some way. And I think, look, we've played them down through the years. They'll know us quite well and we'll know them quite well. And they're the games you want to play in. They're the games I want to play in. Um, it's obviously no tougher task than, than playing them. But with that, we'll take confidence in what we can we can bring to it. It's highly entertaining watching you play. Is that what you want to bring every week? Or is there a bit more pragmatism coming down in the next few weeks in the URC? No, that's that's how we play. Um, that's how we train, and I think the the fact that we uh, conditions there enable us to play in that manner. And um, we did it the same against the Ospreys when the conditions were poor. So um, it's it's much easier for me because I know there's um, there's clarity amongst all the lads in terms of how we're trying to play, and we can play it in, in any sort of conditions as well. Thanks, Jack. Coming up a bit later in the podcast will be Lily McKenzie, but right now she is 
toiling away, as you might expect, the harder work. Then we were lucky, William. We get to like once we close shop on the commentary, do an interview, we can sit back and we can relax. Yeah, we can until we have to do the podcast. No, well, that's true. We are doing the podcast. We are still working. Um, some thoughts, lads. I mean, one win from four means that I think we can safely say it isn't the greatest Champions Cup game Connacht ever had, but it's definitely a massively significant one because it's, you know, in all logic, a breakthrough one because they're into the knockout stages. Reformed, different type of knockout stages or not, they're in there. Yeah, they are, and it's the same record as Stad have, and they're delighted to be through. They're not worried about that. Their coach just said it. He said that's up to the EPCR. They make the rules. He said it's celebrated at the end. They were very proud because he made the point that some teams have qualified were, were getting full points for not playing games. But he said I'm, that's all I'm saying about that. So I thought he was just marking the card and saying, "Look, play what's in front of you." Connacht have played their four games. They've picked up one win, but they've got bonus points in all the other games. They have, however, probably lost two games that they should have won, which was last week and here, and they even had a chance of winning in Leicester. And they've got to they've got to sort this out going forward. You cannot get into situations where you're 18 points ahead last week against Leicester, 11 points ahead here against 14 men, and lose. Hearty said, listeners have just heard it, different situation though felt like we still kept playing this week whereas last week we caved in and not caved in ourselves I don't want to misquote him there but we, we didn't come out of our shell if you want if you want to paraphrase him I'm sorry for not being as accurate do you agree with that do you think it was a bit different this week it was a little bit different this week but the body language wasn't any different no underneath the post now they looked a bit shook yeah and it's all well and good playing nice attractive rugby but you've got to win this is a game for winners it's not about losing games um, they need to tighten up in certain areas. They need to think better. They need to be more pragmatic in what they're doing. There are players making offloads, players making decisions on the run that are just too much. They're not even 50-50. They're, seven, they're 30 seventies. When they come off, they're great. But when you don't get the job done, you lose. What's your thoughts on that, Alan? Because I, I, just to expand on what William's saying, I saw that defensively as well. Players just bursting out of the line. And also, like, the inevitability of Stad having that line out 50 metres from our line, he just felt the try was coming. But that's not what Connacht were up until December in this campaign. Their defence was strong against lineouts and strong overall. It just looked brittle enough in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think fitness is a, is a major element of it. I think, uh, you know, um, we don't know what's been happening behind. A lot of guys have been ill at various different points of time. A lot of, this is only their second game in four weeks. It's playing on, you're playing on a really, really fast surface. Um, and for the second week in a row, they seem to run out of steam. It wasn't just that they ran out of thought. They ran out of steam. Um, and, and the leaders ran out of steam a little bit. They, they lasted a lot longer this week because um, they took off um, Kian Prendergast this week where last week they took off Jared Butler and when they took off Jared Butler a, a sense of leadership disappeared and it really went away whereas this week it did last a bit longer Jared had a great game as well just truly oh he did yeah Jared had an excellent game um, and so did so did Kian Kian was, Kian was having his normal you know um, industrious self right William said, William said it like he, he's, he's like he's a 26 year old I'm just paraphrasing your point but you're saying he's so locked in like he's nailed on in his position Oh, completely, completely. And he's very well deserved of his call-up to the Irish squad because he's playing and, and just doesn't seem to make mistakes. You know, every time he 
every time he's in and around the ball, something happens on a positive side. Very rarely does it does it does it is it a negative when he's involved in the whether he's tackling, whether like he tackles low. He does the old the old fashioned chop tackle. He just tackles low all the time and makes it stick all the time. You very rarely see him miss a tackle. He's a superb line out operator. Um and, and you know, causes mayhem to outhaves. All right, William, let me put this point to you. There, at times, Connick's battling, whatever it's made up of, and there's no Daly and Aki there who might be the first-choice centres, arguably, and there's other there's other players who put their hand up. You know, McNulty had some good games, but people are wondering when, when Connick are going to see him again. Just, But even the guys who started there, O'Halloran, Arnold, Farrell, Wooten, Hansen, Carty, Blade, there were times when they looked absolutely brilliant. You get the feeling that it could go either way with the way Connick are playing. It just needs to be more complete. Um, they play on a bit of a knife edge so I suppose there are going to be errors uh, sometimes as I said it's decision making errors sometimes it's just a skills error uh, or they overplay defensively they badly missed Bundyaki and Tom Daly in the centre today I wouldn't say that uh, Tom Farrell and Sammy Arnold defence is perhaps not their strongest point uh, that's just the way it is Jack Carty has turned himself into a very decent Defender. He also tackles properly. He gets down low, protects himself. Caelan Blade worked hard there. I thought Mac Hansen had a great game. He did. And it was more basics this time. You know, just every time the ball was kicked to him, he punished them. Yeah, he seems to have a plan. He seems to have an idea. He makes his tackles. He did a couple of clear outs as well. He just looks a complete player. He's, he's obviously with the Ireland squad. I don't think he'd be playing against Wales. I wouldn't say that he might not be playing against the likes of Italy. They'll want to see what he can do at that level. But his game seems to have come on. He seems to get better at everything. Slightly better every every week. I, I, and I was delighted to see Alex Wooten back because he's had a pretty tough time with injuries and a bit of a lack of form as well, apparently. So, yeah, it, it, it went okay, but I'd, I'd like to see a few changes in there as soon as they can make them, just to see. I'd like to see McNulty. Hugh Gallon is worth a good look as well, even those few seconds on the pitch. God, he carries the ball. His his body position going into contact, I'll go to you, Alan, on that. It just, there's a lot to like. Oh, the steal. The steal he made off the tackle was just outstanding. I think any, any seven in the world would have been incredibly proud of the steal that he made from the tackle. He makes a tackle, let's go, gets down, picks the ball up and tears off down the field and everybody's going, what happened there? And he's gone. Um, but Jay, yeah, he certainly looks exciting. He certainly looks as though he's, he's um, one that's going to make a big jump into the top level without too much difficulty. But when I say that, we've played four games in Europe this year. Two of them appear to have been Challenge Cup games. This one and the first one against that, and two of them were European Champions Cup games against Leicester. I agree 100%. And I think what we're getting to the next round, no matter who we play, I know people are disappointed if it's going to be Leinster, but whatever way that plays out, it was going to be bloody hard. <laughs> Looking at the type of teams, La Rochelle, you know, the possibility of playing Ulster probably slightly better than Leinster based on our record against them but hey look let's not beat about the bush there there's some big games to come in the next few weeks Alan I'm just curious to know how Connacht are going to shape up in them and one question to you is Fafita came off the bench there I'm wondering if there's some power to come from him that could be very useful in games away to the Scarlets at home to Glasgow is he doing enough to kind of edge his way in there we know how well Dowling and Murray are going yeah you'd I didn't see a huge amount out of him today, but then he was his right leg was incredibly strapped. Like you just couldn't see most of it. So it looked like he was playing with a bit of injury because Dowling took a knock 
pretty early on in the game and limped through the last 10 minutes of the first half and limped the whole second half and he stayed on for 65 minutes so there's obviously yeah there's obviously a problem there um, William Dennis Buckley is on the verge of returning. He's going to add so take a little bit of pressure off Matthew Burke as well, and and Jordan Duggan. He's going to add so much. Beelham is such an integral part of any connect. If they're going to have any chance of doing anything they want to do this year, he's one of those must-have players. Yeah, but we won't see much of him for the next couple of weeks, no. Horse. Uh, and there's some, you know, it, it it was very simple. They, they were playing Glasgow next Saturday, and then there was going to be two games in seven weeks when. There was no other rugby on. There were the, the two uh, layoff weeks in the in the Six Nations, so you might get players back if they haven't been playing. But now we're playing four games. We're playing Ulster. We're playing Scarlets. That's Ulster away, Scarlets away. Uh, then we have to go to Edinburgh, uh, and then we've the Stormers. So it's become a really pinch point again to have two extra games in that section. When you say the Edinburgh Scarlets, Ulster Stormers, and then Glasgow next week, five games before before the Six Nations is even finished. Wow, wow. And four key, key men in there, which we're delighted about, but we're going to miss. Well, five, you count Prendergast, but we think he's, you know, we think we'll have him. Yeah, but we always do well during Six Nations. It's very difficult to find a losing record, no matter what, when Connacht are in the Six Nations. Whether we've had players in there, and we've had up to six players in Six Nations squads before, um, and we've always done incredibly well over those periods. And there's a huge amount to take out. Like people I know get very frustrated. I'm looking on some of the boards and how annoyed and frustrated they are. But we're we're taking on a team here who've never lost uh, a Champions Cup game in this stadium, have never lost an Irish team in this stadium, and we came pretty close to beating them. I know William would say we have to win, you have to win, but you have to put yourself in the position to learn how to win. Up to this year, we never really did put ourselves in position to learn how to win. Now we're learning. I share the disappointment. Uh, I share the concern about like kind of a general fitness look in some of the issues that were developing over the last weekend. And I also share your point about the key reason being the scrums. Yeah, but it, it, and it could be like, are we playing a game that we aren't quite fit enough to play? Yeah, or, or is it certain to tell at this point in the campaign as it might in the others? But, but I, also, I also feel like positive about the fact that if you're going to go through these, these moments, I'm glad it happened here with Champions Cup qualification secured and why it doesn't look too pretty because we only won one for four. It looks pretty impressive to people that Connacht are picking up points in each game in this competition and don't let this happen in key URC games when you need to, when you just need to be ruthless. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's going to be um, a real challenge in these URC games despite the fact, I, I would be interested in our away record in Six Nations. I think the fact that we're playing three tough opponents away that we, we're only bringing the Stormers to Galway during the Six Nations I think will be a big problem yeah. having said that Ulster will be missing players Scars will be missing players Glasgow will be missing a hell of a lot of players next Saturday Bad time to be playing Ulster It's not um, but it's still an Interpro and it's an unusual time for an Interpro it's even worse that they're kicking it off a quarter past eight in the quarter evening I think we'll be back at some like it'll be probably back for breakfast in Galway about that, yeah, if we're lucky. Cheers for that, lads. Uh, yeah, thanks very much, whoever thought that was clever. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I think this side is developing. I think they have a bit of squad depth. Um, but it is, they've been unlucky with the props to get three props injured um, in a week is is a big problem. Um, but it's a hard run of rugby and it is, it is going to be very challenging. Yeah, it's an interesting time. Other highlights from the day, Alan? I mean... 
God, there were some great scores, including the one that was struck off for obstruction. That I don't think was as significant, but probably was right goal. But my God, the move from Arnold inside to Wooten. Let's see if I can remember this. Wooten then found, I think, Tiernan O'Halloran on a brilliant support line. And who was there right inside? Caelan Blade underneath the post would have been arguably right up there with our tries of the season. About to say try of the season, but Mac Hansen has that wrapped up. Yeah, yeah. I know, like we, we did. We played some astonishingly good rugby. Um, but we need to do something um, that the team we're watching here on the screen as we're recording this monster do, which is, is learn not to let in soft tries, not to let in... We're just maybe not physical. Everyone talks about how physical it is coming to play Connacht, but it's not the same sort of physicality that Munster bring to things. And, and their skills coach was interviewed there a little while ago and he said, we're not winning enough contacts. And that's what you do when you play a Munster. They lose contacts. And the reason I'm referencing it is that Munster are playing some beautiful rugby here. This isn't the, this isn't the standard ground-out Munster. They're actually playing some winning, clever, go-forward, stuff that we'd be proud to play and that's you know you look at that and go yeah that's a that's a good monster team playing good monster rugby but we don't we were starting to develop it and it seems to have disappeared yeah i, I asked andy friend at the end uh, the end of last season the beginning of this season have connor got a brand of rugby and i'm still not quite sure that they do i think they have a style of rugby which is high tempo a lot of skill sets some overplaying which will come with time but there's still something slightly lacking they gave away two terrible tries against Leicester last week they were 10 nil up and didn't it's not the fact that they scored the two tries they didn't have to do anything to score the tries Stads, most of Stads tries today they actually did have to work for it yes they did but you have to make them work. You can't just hand away points. And then when you're giving away penalties at scrums, you're just, you're, you, you know, there's a 40-yard change. Some And some of the penalties weren't at scrums. There was a couple of really stupid ones where players were came in from the side at a rook, com, you know, completely obvious. So the small things like that have to fix. But there, there is a style, but they need to get a brand. And a, a brand is like Leinster have a brand of, of how they play and, and Munster do. And we give out about sometimes about Munster because it, it sometimes can be very grinding. Um, but there's a mental toughness to them as well. And Connacht are getting there. Ulster are getting there. I think Dan McFarland has had to work to get an Ulster brand of rugby and they sometimes can still... Last night they, they, they won 34-31. That game was a bit harem scarem as well but they're still they are getting better if you want the brand you've got to win a few more games and I think you need do you remember when Connick bet Wasps and, and it was the John Muldoon kind of convincing the referee of a new law that didn't exist but there was something then under Muldoon that had that extra little bit of edge that maybe is possibly missing in terms of God, kind of grinding out that game really cleverly I don't know if we've done that this season I think we did I think we did it against Munster I think we won that game by grinding that game out. I think we're so overall. Would you disagree with William that we do have a brand? I think it's it's. I think we've got more of a brand this season than we did last season. Definitely, there's more to it. Um, it just seems to have this this break. These these breaks of games over Christmas seem to have just the, the mindset that was there before Christmas isn't quite there now. They've gone a little bit too loose. Before Christmas, it was it was much more pragmatic, and now it seems to have gone again. Um, and it's just a matter of bringing it back in. But, you know, you've got a hell of a lot of disruptions. And, and whether you like it or not, four players in prime positions have a total of two starts between them. Oh, I, get that. I, get that. I get that 
It's not just a scrum now. It's not just a scrum. I, I get that, but I, I think it's interesting that, like, maybe you have... I think the more... Like, that's just set in stone, but then it's just the way the games have just slipped away has, has had a scratch ahead. Would you, would you think Alan might have a point there? Maybe the brand was ticking along nicely and it's more the last... More recency bias. Because the Munster game was, like Alan said, it was quite, quite a complete victory. Yeah, I think I think the problem was they, they played very well in Leicester and they needed to play Ulster the following week and that game was called off. Then they ground out one against Munster and then the Stormers were supposed to come up and play um, and Connacht, I think, would have beaten them because I think the Stormers coming from 30 degrees in Cape Town to about 5 degrees in Galway on the day that was due to be played and that was called off. So they were stopping and starting. They've had some injuries. Uh we don't know this for definite, but you can probably guess that there was probably some COVID around because it's been everywhere. So it's been complicated. But they've kept going. They have tried to keep playing this uh, style of rugby. And I think that's good. But they are going to have to look. You can't give up leads. You can't give easy points. And they know this themselves, but they're just going to have to keep working at it. Glasgow on Saturday is a massive game which has also got a weird kickoff time of 2.55, which I, I find utterly, utterly baffling. But anyway, um, somebody who's paid more money than me gets to make that decision. Um, that's an interesting one. It's a good time to play Glasgow. Um, they didn't look very good last night against La Rochelle, although they came back into it because La Rochelle switched off. Um, but they've got to get back on the URC horse now and, and get at it. Agreed. Before we finish, as we look out, let's hope... Uh Everything's okay. There's a long delay in the Wasp game for an injury. But anyways, uh, before we finish, Alan, let's talk Leinster. It's not the fancy trip everyone wanted. La Rochelle was what they all wanted for a nice trip away. Also, possibly just a, a kind of a game that might just fall Connacht's way more. Maybe Ulster as well, just because we've had a couple of good results again more recently. Having said that, if everything starts to come together injury-wise... For me personally, I just think it's the kind of game, like Jack Carty said earlier, it's the kind of game you want to be involved in. If you want you want to see Connacht up against Leinster in a massive game with a chance all on the table. I mean, it's 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 Leinster's season, that's what they're focused on. Connacht have a chance to really have a go at them. Yeah, and it worries me. <laughs> worries me greatly, I have to say. Out of all the teams to play against, the last one I would have wanted would be Leinster. Home or away. Over some of the English teams, Exeter and yeah. Sale. Absolutely. Absolutely, the English team. They're a better team. Leinster are the best team. But at the same time, I don't see... This kind of team is nowhere near good enough to win the Champions Cup, in my opinion. And I think that's not like the most controversial statement in the history of the world. They have a long way to go. Um, so I just want to see how they square up. I don't think we have anything to lose. As long as the URC form's good, like if, if it's a heavy, heavy defeat, then we can really learn something. And if it's not... You know, if it's a kind of really, really good performance, you know, against that they did in the first half and then fell apart in the RDS, then we'll see. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I have an awful feeling of dread. Um, that but, 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 like I say, what's the dread though? If it is two fifty point tumpens, like what does that do? It means that we're miles, miles, and miles away, and we need, we need help. That not mean we're just going to learn, and you're better off learning that way than fooling yourselves with some of these some of these kind of like stories of Connacht have made the Champions Cup knockout stages, aren't we great? But if you're going to lose by a huge amount of Leinster, then we might actually really know where we stand. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, to me that what I'm worried about is that it's home and away. If it was one game, you'd be okay. It's the fact that it's home and away um, that's going to be the be the issue. William, thoughts on what Alan's saying, and your thoughts on Leinster? <sighs> it's it's well. It's a bit disappointing in some ways because we already play them twice a season. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see there's a potential I suppose for Leinster to maybe think they might move the game to the Aviva if they think they would would, would get a crowd I suspect they're home like to Aviva and obviously Connacht oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, the, I can't see Connacht uh, going through that going through that again I think they'll they'll get as many people as they can into the sports crowd um, as, as I understand it Leinster will have the second leg at home because they're the seeded team uh, it'll be Easter weekend no problem with pause Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Sorry. No problem, we'll finish this in a second. There you go, we gotta go. Well, we had to uh, change locations, as you heard there. So, uh, to finish the point, we were just walk- walking through Alan's pretty, cl- pretty clear on uh, Leinster's, or on the draw against Leinster being just such a disappointment um, from the perspective of the challenge that is awaiting Connacht. And William, I just wanted to get a bit more of your thoughts on that. Like, how are you feeling about it? Well, I think it was going to be a difficult draw, whoever they got. Um, you know, whether they were going to go to the likes of Exeter or Racing 92. Another trip back to Paris would have been very interesting. Um, similarly, a trip to Ronald Garrett, La Rochelle. But it's, but it's Leinster, and they'll just have to get on with it. A lot of rugby to be played before that happens. I think the the French teams, you know, like La Racing and, and La Rochelle, obviously, are, are competing for high honours um, I think Leinster are stronger than the two of them to be honest but you know only mildly it's much of a muchness but I think there's a bit of uncertainty when they play Connacht and it opens the door for us to really perform well in those kind of fixtures it's also fans love the trips over there but I think the problem here is how are Connacht going to shape up to them yes I hear the fear yes I'm sure there's a lot of people out there with real sense of you know oh my god this is not not the fixture we want but I think it's going to be a very interesting test of where the project is yeah, it will be, and it'll, look, it'll get a lot of attention. Um, you know, it's, uh, Easter weekend for the second leg, the week before, Connacht will have played in Italy, the week before they have the home leg. Uh, then they're going to South Africa, uh, and if they don't beat Leinster, then they're going to have a nice long wait until the, nearly the third weekend, or third or fourth weekend in May before they play the final game of the URC. So it's, it'll attract a lot of attention, it'll, it'll get a lot of talk, uh, but you've got to be honest, Leinster would be favourites for that. Um, they'd be favourites now and they'd probably be favourites when it comes to the day. Fair point. I guess the real focus for Connacht if you want this season to come together well, even in the possibility of losing two, one of the big contenders is playoffs in the URC. That is, That could be the defining moment and that is within their grasp still. But as you said, these next four games are critical. Oh, it's critical. I mean, look, they're four and four out of eight. They've had two games cancelled. Um, when they come out of this section of nine games, they, they they certainly need to win three of the the next five, as an absolute minimum. And only two of them are at home. They've got to start next Saturday against Glasgow. They've got to beat the Stormers at home, and they've got to manage to pick up a win, a home or an away win somewhere, particularly. Um, you know, maybe Scarlets or Edinburgh, who will be short of players, particularly Edinburgh. Um, but they're not diff- they're not easy places to go. William Davis, big thanks to you, big thanks to Alan as well, thanks to Danny and Lenny who are on the tour with us this week, and all of the fans who've come up to chat to us in the meantime. It's been a bit of a rushed evening. We've got to get a plane, got to get an Uber organised. We're going to get on the road soon enough when we get the deadlines reached. But in the meantime. We will talk to you during the week. Glasgow coming up next week. And remember, get a ticket. No restrictions. Happy days. Talk to you soon. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes. Side.